month i'm skipping it Spooky what do you mean you're month, skipping I'm it skipping it i'm skipping it because there's no trick-or-treating per se in la and uh i just i can't be a part of it anyway because i'm going to be on the road even if it was happening and yeah. i also don't care about thanksgiving so even kind of decorating oh, what for, does that have to do with anything well, i don't give a rip about thanksgiving gets me going to decorate for the fall and fall decorations can also transfer over into halloween decorations you just add a few spooky elements and you're still good to go right right whereas i'm not going to be here for either of it so why yeah. bother decorating for that now when the only yeah. time i'm going to be here is for for me christmas so yeah. what i'm planning on doing is having the uh, parents, if there's a kid around you, potentially hide their ears for what's going to happen next. And also uh -oh. feel free to use this if you feel like it could be something that would work for you. Okay. Um, the Easter Bunny has made a deal with Jack Skellington. And since there's no trick-or-treating this year... Uh, Jack Skellington is taking over Easter and bringing Halloween baskets. So that's how I'm covering him. And then I'm going. <laughs> what a complex, what I'm, a complex cover up. What are you talking about? It's great. It's genius. I'm that, so that's why, that's why Halloween's not happening this year for him. You're saying. Yes, because okay, he okay. can't, there can't, there's no trick or treating and that's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So instead the candy is coming to him a la yeah. easter bunny a la jack skellington because jack skellington steals everybody else's holidays yeah so for me though the point of this entire conversation was there's nothing to uh allow me to enjoy any of the fall decorations since i'm not going to be a part of it anyway and i don't feel like doing the work of putting them out just to then not appreciate them not because be here, yeah. i'm not being here and instead, I'm coming back right before Christmas, so we're moving right into Christmas at my house. So you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I get tomorrow, it. I get I'm putting up the Christmas decorations. Now, let me ask you this: When Easter comes around, do you have to make good on the idea that Skellington is now in charge of no Easter? No, because they're all like it's like round table, man. They're all talking to each other. They're all sitting around this gigantic Knights of the Round Table for holidays, and they're like, "What yeah. the fuck are we gonna do?" And Skellington's like, "Listen, I'm already dead, so I can't catch COVID, so it's fine. I can show up to people's houses and drop off these baskets of candy." Right, 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 right. That kind of um, thing. It's like my... he's stepping in to help the others, not necessarily taking that they're over. swapping. Yeah, right, there's not right. a swap. It's more like a, "Hey, we're all screwed. Can you do this solid for yeah. us?" Yeah. Do a bro a solid. Yep. My thing with spooky season, and this happens every year, I run spooky 24-7. So when Halloween hits, 
and I see people doing the switch and they're like, okay, now I'm putting up decorations mm-hmm. or now you know, I'm going to decorate my office or now I'm going to watch horror movies. I have no other gear to shift into. And I, and I, it, it doesn't make me stop being spooky, mm-hmm. but it almost nullifies the vibe because I live in it year round. I mean, literally my TV VCR is playing a horror movie 12 hours a day that I'm sitting in my office. I'm surrounded by fucking masks right now. Mm -hmm. Onyx does spooky stuff all of the time. So I don't even know how to next level things for him. Um, And so it weirdly kind of removes, you'd think it would be like, now it's time to inject the NOS into this engine and fucking (laughs) get fast and furious. Mm -hmm. But it does the opposite. I'm kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I won't really do much for spooky season. I'll just... Kind of stay at the same level, and I'll see y'all through October, November, and it'll all be the same. It's weird. I've got no other gear to shift into. I'm slightly of the same mindset as well, where I feel like I'm always one foot in the spooky realm. So it kind of, like, by the time it comes around or Halloween comes around, I'm like, yeah, I don't necessarily, like, there's nothing I need to do here. Really? It almost makes me want to step back and be like, okay, everybody else, have your spooky time. I'll resume when y'all are done. Because yeah. more my role is more to, you know, keep the, the torch lit for the rest of the year. Um, I don't slam jam into Christmas with anything hot, though. I I don't, I'm not a Christmas, I mean, I don't know. I've, I see people that are like, I'm already listening to Christmas music. That's not me. Um, I'm not there yet. I just want the decorations up so that by the time I come home, yeah. I can just slide right into Christmas as if nothing yeah. occurred. And then I'll start jamming out on the Christmas music. Plus, it's still 90-something degrees here. So yeah. that kills the vibe for me anyway. Anyhow, yes. that was a long... That was... Yes. So needless to say, I'm skipping Chris, or, uh, or uh, uh, Halloween. You're, skip, you're skipping the ween. I'm skipping the ween. I also made the mistake of shaving. Hashtag skip in the ween. Hashtag skip the ween. I also made the mistake of shaving, so I can't even do Onyx stuff for Halloween. I mean, I don't, like, Onyx has a beard. Can't Onyx shave and look like an idiot? He can, but I just don't feel like myself. But I I bought a Hannibal Lecter mask so I could do some Onyx videos of him, like he's cosplaying Hannibal Lecter. There you go. No, that's my my workaround. I think that's a good solution. Um, Yeah. All right. Not bad. So with that being said, um, everybody apparently loves your rants after I said that we should kill, uh, chill on the rants. So are, oh, did is you? there anything that you want to rant about? <laughs> uh, you know, I tell you, there is something. There is something, and I but I cannot talk about it on air. Oh. It's something I'd have to tell you and Aristotle about. <gasps> there is something. There's okay. something. There. There's I, I last the wind. There's something in the wind. There. I had a really good week, and then. A really bad week, and and they they kind of I wouldn't say they canceled each other out. I'd say the good out one or one one out the bad. But yeah, something did happen last week that if it was something I would talk about publicly, I would I ranted about it to my friends. I fucking went off. Dang! All right. I I said something like this is probably this is something that's spoken the most worthlessness over my professional career in in all of my 38 years of existence. And uh, so, yeah, so if you thought it got dark with the film festival rejections, something happened last week that that got me to an even 
sadder place. But holy or shit. I, well, I holy or shit. Holy shit. Holy or shit. Holy I, I shit. Ta- I tail. I tail spun, but I, I think I pulled myself out of it. Honestly, what pulled me out of it was focusing on my garage, like turning my garage into this office kind of production space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just helps you get out of your head to do something physical and practical. I just hung plywood all weekend and fucking made yeah. a desk. It's fucking sanded and drilled shit. It's why I obsessively clean. Yeah, cleaning. People say I'm that cleaning is cleaning. a really good. It just helps me feel like I'm getting things in order in order yeah but um well i want to hear the story about what this is as soon as we're off the podcast and with that being said how about then if that's the case we just launch right into some weird of the week week. i got some weird of the week all right hit me with it they were almost all weird animal stories that's odd that's i know that's weird (laughs) one would say that's weird but uh but there's one that's not Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, I'm breaking the pattern because this one that's not is is pretty cool. Um, but let me start with uh, the animal stories. Hey, everybody, just here. Just wanted to give you all the heads up real quick that this next news story does involve talk of suicide. So I just wanted to let everybody know ahead of time. Thanks. One was actually recommended to us by a follower on Twitter. Um. And this is the headline. <laughs> Let me actually shout out who, who recommended it to us. Drew, Drew recommended that we look into this story. Uh, the ghost of a rude masturbating monkey shocks visitors to stately home in Dorset. Okay. Have you heard about this? I have not. This covers so many of our bases. It's almost like we just wrote this article for the sake of having something to read on the air. <laughs> Um, I'll try to get through it quick because it's, it's a little long, but it's not just about a monkey. There's a lot of other things going on. The phantom of, of the chortling chimp swings from the rafters while scratching his privates with a huge beam on his face. But his rude antics at historic Athelhampton Hall aren't putting people off. Holiday makers flock to catch a glimpse of the naughty but nice spectral wanna-be-like-you, woo-hoo-hoo version of King Louie in Disney's classic Jungle Book. I don't know why they're making allusions to Jungle Book. Couples even clamor to have their marriages held there, even though they might get the spooky ape grinning and pleasuring himself in the background of their wedding photos. Ew! Now his antics have helped... (laughs) Now his antics have helped the hall to be named as one of the most haunted houses in England. It's on a list of nine spooky properties drawn up by... We buy any home. The 15th century house near Dorchester was originally built by the Martin family, whose family crest was a monkey sitting on a tree stump. The family motto was, he who looks at Martin's ape, Martin's ape will look at him. And since then, the ghost of Martin's ape has haunted the house. One tourist who visited recently, 41-year-old dad of three, John Morrison of Derby, said, we heard that the monkey which haunts the house loves to scratch his privates while swinging around. We didn't see him, which is a shame, because it would have been a real sight. Apparently, he's not terrifying. He's quite friendly, is what we've heard. Added John, a printer who visited with his wife, Helene, and their children while on their summer holidays in Dorset. According to the legend, the family did have an ape, which had freedom of the hall and could wander as it chose. One of the Martin daughters had an unhappy love affair and decided to kill herself. Sensing something tragic was about to happen, the ape began following her around. When she climbed a set of hidden stairs to a secret room, the ape trailed behind, though she didn't spot him. In the room, she killed herself, thinking no one cared and nobody would ever find her. But she was not alone. The faithful ape was locked in with her. 
By the time the family's search of the house and grounds eventually located the room, the ape had starved to death next to her body. Now its ghost haunts the hall, often vainly scratching at the paneling of the secret room and staircase in an eternal frantic attempt to escape. But the weird thing is, the legend does not explain why he jerks off so much. (laughs) Like... Unless I guess that's just an animal because thing. I mean, I have friends that have a dog that, that constantly jerks off. That's weird. How does he do that? Uh, he just like sits up on his back and rubs his privates. And he's like looking at you too. Oh, God. So, I, you know, I guess it's just like a I mean, a thing. I guess, you know, any, any animal that derives pleasure from jerking off is going to jerk off all the time if they can. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, how I mean, I animals. What's gonna think of that? Yeah, right. Um, but it's also interesting when I read that article that it has such a tragic beginning. You know, you see the headline that's like "monkey ghost jerks off," but then you read it and it's like because he was trapped in a room while a woman killed herself. I'm like, all right. Um, but it died. It died out of uh, from starvation. But the story doesn't add up to me because what why did it die of starvation i totally wasn't listening because they didn't know that it was in there and she died and locked the door and i guess they didn't find her for a long time and so by the time before they decided to look for her i know i don't know this story sounds suspicious it does sound sus and i think uh if it is going to be made up make up a better backstory that doesn't involve so many Yeah. yeah but the idea of a the idea of a masturbating ghost monkey that does sound like pretty cool. a perfect double feature with serial killer dick. Serial killer dick and then masturbating ghost monkey. We'd have to think of a better name for Whatever. it. Whatever. I've given up on serial killer dick because nobody, including you, takes it seriously. Every I time, take it seriously. Bullshit. but Every time I've run an idea by you, you're like, Whatever, Jess. If, if all of our fans said collectively they would kickstart a fucked up weird movie like that and they were serious i'd get serious i just feel like we don't live in a world where we could get serial serial killer dick made unless we coupled it with jerking off ghost monkey um like jerking off ghost monkey is the intro cartoon to the main (laughs) yeah exactly right it's the like let's go out to the lobby it's the opening cartoon (laughs) (laughs) um there was a great monkey movie called shockma and it had penis stuff going on too. It it like the monkey that they filmed with. Did you just say penis. Stuff? <laughs> yeah, Fucking the monkey gross. that the monkey they filmed with, which was a really dangerous baboon. It would always be peeing on everything, and and then it would have an erection. And it's in the film, like the final confrontation with Shakma. It's supposed to be terrifying, and he also just has like a monkey boner. And I'm like, dude, well that's the name of the fucking movie, Monkey Boner. Um, yeah, that's, also that, that's the name of the movie. It's a play off of the very successful Brendan Fraser vehicle, Monkey Bone. But, um, oh, I forgot but anyway, about that. you could call it Wackma because there was Shockma and now you could call this Wackma. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Next, next weird animal story. Aristotle's got some editing to do today. <laughs> no, it all stays in. This is our first NC-17 episode. Okay. <laughs> all right. Next weird animal story. It's not going to get much better. British Wildlife Park removes five cursing parrots from public view. This is great. These are good. Um, it's like Brit- Animal Kingdom happening. It is fucked up. Animal Kingdom is the name of this segment. <laughs> um, 
A British wildlife park has removed five African gray parrots from public view because of the fowl's foul language. Haha, LOL. Lincolnshire mm-hmm. Wildlife Park. I was about to say wildfire park because of what we're living through. But Wildlife Park adopted the parrots about six weeks ago and put them in quarantine together. During their time together, the birds shared the ability to curse up a storm, something they engaged in quite often, according to the park CEO. This is, I'll, I'll bleep this, but he said, the park CEO said, I get called a fat T-W-A-T every time I walk past these birds. <laughs> really? Yeah. Every time he walks past these birds, they call him that. They call him that? Oh yeah. my God. Well, who'd they learn the language from in the first place? Because the parrots are I only know. mimicking those that are, that, that are I don't around know. them. So who's it's calling also- that dude <laughs> It's also funny to think, don't you ever look at your pets and think, like, what language do they speak? Oh, yeah. Or travel to France and see a cat and think, does that Dang. cat speak French? It's so funny to think these birds are cussing in, yeah. you know, and you know what British else? slang. And I don't know if it's because of the location of where we live yeah, and uh, the mindset here being in L.A. or whatnot, but, man, T-W-A-T is so good of an yeah. insult and so underutilized. And it's, yeah. I just absolutely, that's like one of my faves. It really is because Especially it still hits. Especially for throwing it at dudes. Like, really, like yeah. it's just so, like, they don't see that one. They don't see that one coming. At least not the not the ones in the U.S. Maybe, maybe where it's used more vernacularly. Yeah. It's a little bit more expected but here in the states they're not no, seeing that totally one getting right. flung their way and <laughs> it's just so good yeah it's still it still has some bite because we don't hear it as much because it isn't exactly a word. like it's not like we 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 didn't use that word in middle school you mm-hmm. know um so anyway uh nichols the ceo said the potty mouth parrots aren't uncommon in his line of work for the last 25 years we've always taken in parrots that have sometimes had a bit of blue language and we've really gotten used to that Every now and then, you'll get one that swears, and it's funny. We always find it very comical when they swear at you. But just by coincidence, we took in five in the same week, and because they were all quarantined together, it meant that one room was just full of cussing birds. The more they swore, the more you usually laugh, which then triggers them to swear again. It's great that they respond to the laughter. Nicholas said, Nichols said the cursing birds sounded like an old working men's club scenario where they're all just swearing and laughing. <laughs> Next, they're going to be like smoking cigars and drinking scotch. Although he and fellow park employees found the whole thing funny, he said he decided it'd be best to move the birds out of view before visiting kids heard them. So they've each been moved to different groups, and the plan is to put them in separate areas of the park. So if they do swear, it's not as bad as all of them blasting it out at once. Anyway, That's holy fantastic. crap. Love it. Love it. That was good. Love it. Yeah. So this last one is a is a really short story, but um it breaks the the fucked up animal kingdom trend. Uh but it's super cute and spooky and cool and it has to do with Michigan. Ooh, there's, okay. Yeah. There's an Airbnb host. Okay. Um Offering guests a chance to be the mayor of hell for a day. 
Okay. A, a resident of Hell, Michigan, is offering the chance to be mayor of Hell for one day by renting out a specially outfitted lair on Airbnb. John Cologne, the self-proclaimed mayor of the town, which has no official mayor, which is funny to me that you can just self-declare. I mean, it, in the time we're living in, it's not a surprise. You can just fucking say you're the mayor of a I'm city, and then it, it it sticks. Yeah, I'm the fucking mayor of this town. Oh, okay. Um, so. He has uh, he has proclaimed this tiny mayor's lair will be available for three one night stays that come with his title unofficially for twenty four hours. So if you pay for this Airbnb and stay in his mayor's lair, you are unofficially the mayor of hell. He said, "I'm the biggest Halloween fan in the world and the underworld. So I hope that our little slice of paradise can fill fellow Halloween lovers." With all the frightful chills and spooky sensations of the season. And to our guests and soon-to-be mayors, I trust you'll find that there's no more place, no place more welcoming than hell on earth. We can't wait to show you a hell of a good time. The mayor's lair includes a queen-size bed, gothic-style sitting area, fire pit, outdoor movie screen, and supply of locally grown pumpkins to carve. And it's listed for the nights of October 18th, 21st, and 24th. Each stay costs $31. And I wouldn't care so much if the picture weren't actually really cute and spooky but they have done up this tiny home it almost looks like a uh, like a demonic chapel it's got You'll this have red to send me the picture so i can see it i will it's got this red roof and a, and a little steeple and there's pumpkins lining the the yard leading up to the tiny house and so it's a fun a little promotion for the town and I got a kick out of it. That and I'd love to stay. It's pretty cool actually. Like yeah. I like it that. It does. I like that whole jam. Yeah. You stay there for a night, you get to be the mayor of hell. What could go wrong? Yeah. No, that's pretty good. Okay. Cool. I like that. That was a good selection. I liked your crazy uh <laughs> fucked your, up animal kingdom. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel a little weird commenting on all of it, but you know. Yeah. What, what, right. can, what can you do here? Actually, uh, it looks like you just sent me the link, so I want to look at this. Oh, my gosh. This is the cutest. Isn't that cute? Yeah. That's super cute. Yeah. <gasps> I want to be a mayor of hell. Let's do this. Oh, I'm not in town. Or else I would yeah. totally say, man, get in the car. Let's go do this for. Let's drive. For untold to hour. Michigan. That we'll would be great. Go visit my parents. They'll feed yeah. us, and then we'll drive over to this. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, shit. I wish I could be a part of this. This is really cool. All right. Well, damn it. Oh, well. <laughs> if anybody out there listening to this podcast that has made yeah. it this far is interested in checking this place out and sending us pictures and telling us and writing us a little like outline of like what your experience was like, I would absolutely read it on the show, and I would absolutely love to hear about it. So yep. I'm just throwing that out there. Since you and I can't do it, or specifically I can't, you could, but I'm just throwing it yeah. out there. But we could live vicariously through one of our listeners. I would love to mi- do that. Michiganders. Yes, Michiganders. Untoldian Michiganders. Step up. Ooh. Step up to hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And tell me how it goes. All right, well, I've actually got two main stories for us today. Okay, okay. They were both somewhat short, but they were both super interesting. Um, 
and they're just kind of all over the place. I don't know. I feel like this is an all over the place episode, but it's working kind of. Yeah. Hopefully. So my first one is I'm going to bring the Untoldians on over and we are going to talk about art. Hell yeah. It's art time. It's art education time. So there is diminutive ruins of a pretend civilization of Lilliputan proportions all over the world. But specifically for this particular conversation, let's just say New York City. But do you remember back in the day when we were doing Bizarre States and I told you about Chimerica, which was this dude's oh, yeah. art installation that focused on this pretend alternate reality history that was happening yep. and he was taking real world locations and putting like honorary was that what, plaques up. Was that what led to the Toynbee tiles or are they separate? They're separate. Toynbee tiles, which was what you told me about. Yeah. And I loved it so much. I actually bought that documentary. Um, that is a separate thing. That's a separate thing. That mm -hmm. guy didn't do it as an installation art piece per se. That guy did yeah. it because he was a little unique. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. uh, and the guy that then felt it necessary to track that guy down to find the Toynbee tiles was his was an artist. Although that didn't necessarily come into play other than the fact that he also was a bit unique and was interested in this mystery from the originator of the Toynbee tiles. I know that yeah. sounds very confusing for those of you that have never heard of this before, but I highly recommend checking out anything to do with the Toynbee tiles. It was one of my favorite uh, conversations that we've ever had and things that you turned me on to. You can pick up the Toynbee tile documentary still on Amazon Prime uh, called Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. Love it. Definitely mm -hmm. check it out. It's one of the better um, weird kind of random documentaries out there. Anyway, those two things are, are somewhat separate. I guess you would say they're in the same family, but they're not of the same direct ilk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. But it, yeah, similar space they occupy. Yeah, kind of. Where they're taking what is a uh, real location and essentially adding flair to it. With the Toynbee tiles, it was his own manifesto. With um, Chimerica, it was, I mean, still somewhat his own manifesto, but underneath the uh, guise of it being an alternate reality, special locations, this is where history happened, kind of um, historical marker. Yeah. Uh, our installation thought process. And that is closer to, the Chimerica stuff is closer to what this diminutive ruins um called uh called dwellings from an artist named charles simmons is all about so the artist's name is charles simmons he actually started building these lilliputan cities back in the early 1970s they were created out of and i'm using air quotes bricks uh, made from flattened sheets of clay that are unfired that will come into play in a little bit and they're mm -hmm. assembled with tweezers uh, because the clay is unfired and it is essentially not cured, it is therefore easily destroyed. And so in these areas, he just kind of leaves his buildings around in order to survive the uh, environment that they're in, 
right? Huh. So they're not supposed to be permanent structures. They're supposed to look like ruins of a dystopian society, a place that people had once inhabited and then left behind. Like he does it that way on purpose. Can um, I ask a dumb question? Sure. But what is the term lily? Putin, Lilliputian? 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 Lilliputian. Like, what does that term originate from? That is from Gulliver's Travels. So, oh, Gulliver, so meaning like the ti- super tiny people. Yeah. You know, like, so Gulliver. Like, I got what it meant, but I didn't understand the origin. Oh, yeah. Gulliver's Travels. Because I think he went to uh, Lilliput, right? And the gotcha. people there were Lilliputian. And, yep. you know, I might be pronouncing it wrong. I'm also drinking a glass of wine. So <laughs> it's a toss up as to if <laughs> my yep. mispronunciations on purpose or not. But um, but essentially it means like <laughs> super, super, super tiny, tiny, tiny people like like fairy size, Tinkerbell size people Tinkerbell, living in these, yeah. in these houses. So he's basically making a fairy garden before fairy gardens became popular. Well, that's a whole other thing because I don't know what a fairy garden is, but keep going on what? this. Yeah, I didn't know that. So there's, make- okay, so fairy gardens, side note, hard side note, kind of. Uh, fairy gardens are essentially this new like craft phase where people have started making these little mini um, villages or houses with backyards or gardens or whatever that are small enough that a fairy looks like they built it. Yeah. So, like, people that put um, little mini doors into the holes of trees and, you know, little, like, vignettes and stuff that they build into these, like, live trees and you don't know that they're there, but until you do, and then it's a fairy garden or a fairy house. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you some shit. Never mind. Anyway. Send me some fairy garden references. I'll send you some fairy gardens. So uh, needless to say, with this guy, he was doing fairy gardens before fairy gardens became a thing. He didn't call them fairy gardens. He called them dwellings. And the whole shtick behind his art installation pieces is that it is supposed to show kind of the... um, the oh what's the like the the this abandoned civilization that moves from place to place and its migration habits and like so some of these some of these dwellings that he's built are falling apart and don't look as if they had ever been lived in they look like ruins like from an ancient Uh civilization other ones look more modern and that they're potentially lived in other ones look like they were ruins at one point but then the people came back in and started living there again so he's doing this as a way to um kind of formulate this pretend society that's living in the underground or in the back alleys of of all of these major cities And that is his art installation piece. It's super cool, actually. And the pictures are really, really unique and interesting. And I'm kind of obsessed. So we've jumped around a lot with this. So I'm just going to lay out all the facts that we've hit just so that it sounds a little bit more cohesive. Again, the artist's name is Charles Simmons. He started building these cities or these dwellings in the early 1970s. Like I said before, they're created out of air quote bricks made from flattened sheets of clay and assembled with tweezers, so they're super small. The clay is unfired, and it's left to survive on its own in the surrounding environment as best as it can. Uh, He calls them dwellings. That's what others refer uh, refer to them as. In the beginning, he started installing them on his own 
it, within the crevices and vacant lots of New York City. And eventually, because he started getting recognized for his art, he has become he's started doing more semi-permanent installation structures uh, within museums. Certain onlookers have stated that they are reminiscent of indigenous communities of the American Southwest. Think Mesa Verde. So that's kind of like the art, the style of the buildings he's creating. And that they're meant to represent a fictional, long-abandoned civilization of Tinkerbell-sized communities living and moving throughout the streets and neighborhoods of the world. Each dwelling covers a different time and place throughout the history of this supposed group of miniature nomads and tracks their history and migration over time. Some of these dwellings, like I told you, are total ruins. Some of the ruins are actually in the process of being reestablished, and then some are recent settlements still in their prime, so brand spanking new haven't been ruined yet. And so far, if you are down to try and find these, the dwellings themselves have appeared in Amsterdam, I'm not gonna pronounce this correctly, but I'll try, Bad Godesburg, Berlin, Brighton, Buffalo, Cambridge, Chicago, Cleveland, Dayton, Dublin, Fort Worth, Geneva, Genoa, Houston, Jerusalem, Cassell, Lewiston, London, Minneapolis, Munster, New York, Lower East Side, and Soho, Paris, Phoenix, Poughkeepsie, uh, Suffax, S-F-A-X, I've never heard that before, Stuttgart, huh. Toulouse, Valencia, Venice, Waco, Washington, D.C., and Zurich. So... I know of one in New York on the website is actually in the window of a museum. So if you go to this uh, crossroads, you'll be able to see it through the window. Uh, um, but uh, for these other places, some of them are just like, they're everywhere. They're just like up high on a windowsill. Like you'd never know mm -hmm. it's there unless you know it's there. They're hidden away. Like if I'd be curious to see if, you know, some of the U.S. cities that are listed in here if we've got some untoldians that can try and track it down, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. You know what I'm realizing as you're talking about this artist mm. and I'm looking at his mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. that I I went to an exhibit, you know, because I'm from outside of DC. I went to an exhibit of his no called way. Yeah. Called Landscape Body Dwelling years ago. And it was because it's at this Dumbarton Oaks uh, in DC which I think is a gallery that's owned, if I'm thinking of the right one, because, you know, I went to an art school for yeah. high school right outside of D.C. Um, and then art school in New York at SVA for college. But, um, yeah, uh, landscape body dwelling at the Dumbarton Oaks in D.C. I was I was there when that uh, exhibit was up. That's so funny. That's awesome, dude. That's, that's, it's different than, the, than this, you know, Lilliputian... Um, the dwellings yeah it's different than that it was like big clay sculptures in yeah. you know set into environments that were like almost like an anatomical um but yeah that's wild i totally recognize this stuff that's super cool yeah i pulled this out of i don't even know how i came across it but i ended up hearing about it and looking into it thought it was really neat i love miniatures um so that kind yeah. of just you know locked itself into my brain and I was like, oh yeah, I'll talk about this. But yeah, you're right. He actually at this point has, you know, become a really well-recognized artist, uh, very well-respected. Well, I should yeah. say, you know, well-recognized with the people that are out for this stuff, but um, definitely well-respected. He's done a ton of different work. So it's not only 
these smaller dwellings, but uh, the, these small ones are the ones that kind of captured my imagination and yeah. why I want to talk about it. So that was my art conversation for the day. I know not many people are necessarily into art, nor would find this exceptionally exciting, which is why my next story for them, because I didn't want to leave everybody high and dry if they weren't into this art thing. Yeah, it's quite a jump. Is did Napoleon lose the Battle of Waterloo because of hemorrhoids? <laughs> right? But I think Strap that's kind in. of fantastic because everybody, you know, everybody thinks of Napoleon or even like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln as these like untouchable gods that just happened to walk the earth and yeah. do these amazing things. And yes, they did amazing things, but they're also just people that, yeah. you know, Washington, in Washington's case, didn't have uh, teeth and <laughs> like right. had wooden teeth. And that's why his portraits make his lips look the way that they do is because it's like he's either not wearing his dentures or he is wearing his dentures or, you know, like, yeah, Napoleon. Potentially, some people are saying he lost the Battle of Waterloo because he was in such pain because of his hemorrhoids that had flared up the night before that wow. he had to take a pass. Like, there's these things that make that you don't think of because you're just kind of fed. you regard them as these mythic, yeah, yeah these you're mythic figures. Fed but this, this mythology that is uh, given to you under the guise of education. And, yeah. you know, that's a great place to start, I guess, to get kids interested. But <laughs> yeah, they but never go beyond that. And you literally don't learn anything worthwhile at all until you search it out for yourself in like your middle age <laughs> dude this is a this is a tangent but we don't have to go off in this direction because it's a it's a hornet's nest but i was just having this conversation today with someone and i maybe i've even said this on the podcast already so forgive me if i have but that's another reason to keep it short when i had government class in uh high school i guess i remember you know i i was shit at school you yeah, know, I, I, I fucking failed almost everything outside of English and art. And that's not an exaggeration. Like I failed most of my classes and had to like work overtime and meet with tutors after school to just convince my teacher to give me a passing grade as like a kind of sign of goodwill. Like, all right, the kid tried, pass him. But I never got passing grades. Yeah. But um, government class, especially, I remember learning about all the branches of government and the checks and balances and the way the different branches worked together but also kind of kept could keep the leader of our country accountable and blah 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 and i remember like studying it and being like i gotta get these answers right when it's like come to find out none of it's real yeah none of it's none real it's real i didn't have to fucking pass that test because if i if i could time travel well i do a lot of things but one thing i do is go back to that whatever ninth tenth grade Andrew and be like, hey, guess what, dude? Tell your teacher to fuck off because none of it's real. There'll come a day where it's proven that none of the shit you're being taught will actually help maintain a democracy actually works. Yep. And it'll be proven and you'll just fucking be, the country will be free falling. Anyway, that's a tangent. Well, that's kind but, of where I'm at now because uh, my child is at that point yeah. where they're getting like basic government instruction and it's like and the government like and the government is made to help you do this 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 and we You're pay right. taxes we pay taxes so that they can make our lives better and i'm like bull fucking shit like it yeah, is so right. hard for me 
to sit there and go over his homework with him. No, like, yeah. oh my God. And it's like, I can't, I can't give him the deep dive because it's not going to register. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, I don't want you to have this bullshit seed planted in your head that I myself right. had to work through and currently still work through all of the brainwashing that I went through. Like, right. I want to try and get that, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, it's going to be either like, I'm, I'm going to let rough. him hear the stories so that he understands the stories. Yeah. As like from a folklore perspective almost. And then eventually I'm going to ha- be like, listen, here's the deal. Here's yeah. what they're telling you, but here's all the stuff they're not telling you. And like yeah. get, hopefully get him into that a little earlier so that he can go into at least high school having an idea that some of this is yeah. just complete BS versus me For who sure. like didn't figure it out until my, my by myself later in life. Yeah, and then you realize that like we're that there there are other people, bad people that figured it out and then yeah. used it for their advantage. They knew much sooner than we did that yeah. it was all bullshit and could be manipulated. And now we're all Americans sitting here receiving the fucking shit end of that stick. Yeah. Anyway, Napoleon's hemorrhoids is so a Napoleon's perfect hemorrhoids metaphor for things not being as they seem or yes. as you were taught. Uh, so, yes. So, did Napoleon lose the Battle of Waterloo because of hemorrhoids? So, there is a theory out there <laughs> that states that things might have gone differently for Napoleon and thus the world, kind of like butterfly effect, uh, had he not experienced an aggressive onslaught of piles, a.k.a. hemorrhoids, the night before a major battle. So Ooh, the belief that's is horrible that, that they're called piles. Piles. I mean, there's just no way to uh, to to make name, hemorrhoids sound to name, good. To name that and have it sound good, you know, no. like even if you were to think, it's like think of it, think of hemorrhoids, and say like roses, it still sounds yeah. terrible. Yeah, you could. There's no name. There's no there's cute no nickname name. for hemorrhoids that will yeah. make them not be hemorrhoids. Yeah, it's just it's always going to be what it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, so anyway, he got apparently hit with these um, un- flaring up a night before a major battle. He was known to be, um, uh, what do you call it when you can't poop? Constipated? Yes. He was known to have like pretty bad constipation. And so hemorrhoids often happen when you try to push too hard. You actually... Uh, get them that way so that's one you know and then just diet and things of that nature yeah so the belief is that this attack not only caused him sleeplessness the night before so he wasn't the top of his game um but also pain and contributed in delaying his opening attack on june 18th of 1815 which was when he was going up against water uh going up uh against an opposing side in waterloo Uh so this is primarily talked about or at least this is how i found out about it was from this book called napoleon's hemorrhoids and other small events that changed history by phil mason and his quote from within the book said prior to the engagement napoleon quote suffered an acute attack of hemorrhoids that stopped him from riding his horse and keeping up his mobile supervision of troop movements according to some analysis of his decision that day Napoleon's delays in launching his opening assault 
had much to do with his impositions originally planned at 6 a.m. Then at 9 a.m. It did not actually start until midday. And for those that happen to not know, midday is like noon. So um, he's saying that that he kept on getting postponed because of this hemorrhoid attack that he couldn't get up. Uh, he was tired. He couldn't focus. He couldn't sit on his horse. He couldn't go check his troops then. This, that, and the other thing. Uh, other historical authors actually refute Mason's claims. Andrew Roberts, who is author of Napoleon and Wellington and a Waterloo expert, which I don't know how you get that title, but that's how it showed up, called right. Alistair White, admit that while Napoleon did have a horrendous case of roids, quote, which had prolapsed and were strangulated outside uh. the anus, yeah. He I think if we leave this in, we can leave the masturbating monkey in. Yeah, well, you know, this is history, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he True. essentially had what I have heard many describe during uh, terrible jokes as a distended ass tulip. Oh, right? yikes. Don't Google that, folks. That also sounds like a metal band. <laughs> we yeah. are distended ass tulip. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but needless to say, yeah, his roids had actually left his body and were just hanging out outside of his butt that they were I, they I, were so flared up, causing him great pain. Of course, uh, this information has been considered truthful because it came from the emperor's brother Jerome, one of only three people aware of his condition. Jerome actually shared the story in 1860, shortly before his own death. Why that is something you felt necessary to share on your deathbed is beyond me. Yeah. But he shared it. Um, it's not nearly, however, enough to explain or be the reason behind such a long delay on Bonaparte's side. Because they're saying, hey, this is something he learned to live with. We're not saying he, it was easy on him. But this was a big deal battle. And we, they highly doubt Napoleon would have delayed any of it because he yeah. had, a, you know, he had his uh -huh. guts coming out his butthole. Golly. In particular, they also note that uh, and point out that Napoleon was awake, dressed, and up in the saddle on the battlefield by 8 a.m. that morning, thereby negating the previous taken down by hemorrhoids and delayed the battle theory. Instead... Um, Alasdor and Andrew Roberts say that uh, the hemorrhoids theory remains debated due to Napoleon apologists as a way of sustaining the illusion behind Bonaparte's invulnerability, thus kind of having the conversation go full circle back to when we were talking about how government classes and just yeah. education in general take these men and glorify them to the point of like goddom. Uh, right, exactly. And so these Napoleon apologists are grasping supposedly at any of these straws as a way to say he was so he was so good at what he did that he still would have won that battle, but something else above and beyond took him out. Sure. Not the actual fact that he lost the battle because he just fucked up. It was he lost the battle because of all these ex, uh, extenuating circumstances. Right. So right. he's still he is still great. That kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Which to me, it's like, I don't know if that's the best example that you should have drug up in order to yeah, um, if, yeah. talk about how amazing he was. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would never use that as an excuse for any of my shortcomings. Like, well, yeah, my film's not getting into film festivals, but it's just because I have a distended <laughs> asshole tulip. What did you call it? Distended ass tulip, but you can add right. asshole to it, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that wouldn't make me feel any better about not getting into yeah. film festivals. Like, I, I, I flubbed my lines and didn't get my job on that yeah. show because my ass was rub hanging out and rubbing against the inside of yeah. my jeans and it was super painful. Yeah, people would be like, okay, God damn, just fucking get your line right. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I couldn't concentrate because um, yeah. my guts are coming out of my butthole. So pardon. Right. Yeah, pardon it's me. not it's not on me. Not it's not on me. It's not the, on the me. Funny, the funny thing is that I hadn't heard about this even though just a few weeks ago I rewatched uh, the first two Bill and Ted movies in uh, leading up to the new one, and it led me to look up Napoleon and read a bunch about him. And you didn't come across this? And I didn't come across this, and I looked up a lot of the other historical figures that are in the Bill and Ted movies just kind of for fun as we're watching them, and nothing came up about about well, the hemorrhoids. You know, That's I, interesting. I can't say that I think the hemorrhoids are a hot-button hot topic. If you, yeah. if you search... Napoleon's hemorrhoids almost all of the searches will bring up only this guy's book right he was the only one that really honed in on that on that so it's essentially this dude's one theory there's been a few historians that have come out and said no I mean like it's true he had hemorrhoids and maybe that could have like caused him some discomfort but it's not the reason he lost the battle kind of thing I wonder if that revelation came to the author because he had hemorrhoids and realized man I, I can't get anything fucking done i'm just delaying all my meetings and pushing every and then he thought that might have been what pushed the battle was uh, the, maybe maybe yeah well be careful about pushing because that's how they get started oh oh so um side note fyi historical fyi in regards to napoleon um another mystery surrounding him is that he was actually poisoned while in exile High levels of arsenic had been discovered in his body after death, and so a lot of people thought that they had been slowly poisoning him because he had escaped once. They didn't want him escaping again, and that was a bit embarrassing for them, so they killed him off kind of thing. Uh, However, a recent-ish study, 2008, I don't know, you know, personal decision as to whether or not you consider that recent or not. Yeah. Uh, But 2008 said that Napoleon's hair showed high levels of arsenic throughout his entire life, not just at the end, which would have happened had they poisoned him with arsenic. So therefore, pointing to the arsenic as the why, when, and how he was poisoned and died is highly circumstantial and most likely untrue, despite what people like to say, and that most likely he died of stomach cancer. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah! Wow. So that's those my, are what. That's those are my stories today. I love those those topics being as wildly different as they are. What I can see you coming across an art story and doing a deep dive, but do you remember what even brought the Napoleon story to your attention? The fact that I was listening to this book, the um, the book that uh, oh, you were. Sh- uh, I it, let me show. Let me find the name of it again. Phil Mason's. Napoleon's hemorrhoids and other small events that changed history. Well, I guess so then I, what what led you to that book is my question. Oh, like what what's the thought <laughs> train that drove Jessica to find this? Who yeah. fucking knows, honestly. Well, before I go to bed every night, I listen to Audible. 
Oh, yeah. Audible, will you please, God damn it, please sponsor us. Jesus, I spent so much money with you. Anyway, I listened yeah. to Audible pretty much every night before bed. And I, uh, the things that I'd like to listen to before I go to sleep are either um, classic literature, mm-hmm. paranormal weird, uh, weird history stuff, which is what this would fall under in my yeah. purview, and yeah. art history. So that's kind of how I come up with my topics sometimes. Yeah. Is that right before bed, I'll just be kind of because, I, you know, it's the only time I have quiet. It's the only yeah. time that I can really focus. Usually the books, these types of books in particular, are read by someone that has a nice, low Vincent Price, creepy kind of voice that also works really totally. well at putting you to sleep. So, yeah, it's kind of the best com- combo. And uh, and then after a while, if you start listening and reading to some of these titles, Audible starts suggesting other titles that are similar. They've definitely figured me out in regards to what I'm interested in. And they're just like, we're we're listen, lady, we're pulling these out of the like back shelves, but we'll pull them out for you because yeah. nobody else is buying these books. <laughs> Right, exactly. And uh, they're like, "Shit, we, you know, some." I just, I just gave Phil Mason probably at least a twenty dollar check, yeah, residual, his- residual check that he made from whatever deal he had with Audible to to roll this out. So, so you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it is a fun yeah. read. Um, this definitely makes me question if the rest of the stories that he tells about in the book are true or not, or if they are true, how true are they? Like, it seems like there's a seed of truth to all of them, and then he kind of just has his own theories, and that's actually what the book is about. But, um, but it was a fun read, an interesting read, and it definitely, um, gave me an idea for the podcast, so. That's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love hearing about Napoleon's rodeos. So should we well, do a listener story? Uh, I was going to ask, do you think there's a listener story that Onyx could tackle? Did people seem to respond well to it oh last week? Oh, my God. Week? Well, you know, yes, I think they did. I didn't really hunt down whether or not they had tons of big responses, but I fucking yeah. loved it. So, <laughs> so Well, like I'm most things it. we do, it's most important that we're enjoying it. Yeah. I thought it was fun, too. All right. So, yes, we do have a listener story. Would you? Would you? Would Onyx like to read it today? Uh, I'd be happy to. I don't know. My ghost story is kind of funny. My brother and I believe we're sometimes haunted by our great-grandmother, who was a complete shit disturber. She had a great sense of humor and always tried to start some kind of shenanigans at family gatherings. Uh, When she passed, I was given a ring that she wore daily, and weird things started to happen. Doors would open and close on their own. Footsteps were heard upstairs when no one was around. When we were in high school, things would go missing. My brother's iPod went missing for three days. We looked everywhere. We took the sheets off the bed in case he fell asleep listening to it. We came home from school one day. The iPod was on the pillow on his bed. No one else was home or came home during the day to put the iPod on his pillow. I don't know. Things would keep going missing and my brother would find them a few days later, always on his pillow. When I moved out, I would put my wedding rings on my nightstand every night. One morning, the engagement ring was gone, but the wedding band was still there. We pulled the sheets and mattress off the bed to see if the ring fell between the frame and the mattress. We shook the pillows out, no ring. The only thing we could think of is maybe in my sleep I knocked it off the nightstand and down the furnace vent on the floor. About three days later, I was startled me awake at 3 a.m. 
I was sleeping with my right hand under my pillow and could feel something on my middle finger. When I pulled my hand out, my engagement ring was on the middle finger of my right hand. My husband was asleep and not sneaky, so it couldn't have been him. We think it's my great Grammy fucking with us, because that is totally something she would do for sure. I can just picture her laughing so hard, shaking her cane at me because she pranked us. And now, when things happen, I just laugh and laugh, and I ask her to stop it, and then she usually does stop. So... Nice. Wow, thank you, Onyx. <laughs> thank you, Onyx. Very that is interesting. so good, Onyx. <laughs> Onyx is the best. Well, he loves a good spooky grandma. Yeah, well, hmm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old Onyx. All right, yeah. cool. Well, that is it, you guys. Thanks for this, uh, for listening to this somewhat rambly all over the place episode. But still, I think I still, we, I still feel like we did our job. Oh, I think we did our job for sure. Yeah. So the deal is I'm actually leaving again for the second part of my job this weekend, yeah. which means that unfortunately Bowser's going to be rolling solo again for quite a while. Strap in. Um, we'll see how many listeners December. we lose. <laughs> <laughs> I would be interested to get that number from Aristotle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have those analytics. We don't want those analytics. I would, I would like to check that out. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, so he's going to be rolling solo or, um, with special guests up until December. Yeah. I am going to actually try to pre-tape myself for a few episodes just so that you guys can have some wiggle room. So if that, if I manage to pull that off, that is something that we will roll out uh, while I am gone. Hopefully it will work out and not sound terrible, but uh, fingers crossed. And with that, I think that's it, right? Yes. All right. Well, this has been Jessica Chobot and Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye. Bye. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of The Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Come join The Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at The Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Starbanes Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.